I'd be pretty intimidated because I don't know how to do much with either one of those things. If I hammer, all of my fingers are going to be wore out. In a wrench, I never pick the right one anyway, so it really doesn't matter, does it? But thank God we're talking about a spiritual application here. And believe it or not, that seems to be the most difficult there is. Because why? Because we can really manifest or hire somebody to do what we can't do in the flesh as far as a, uh, any kind of work that goes. But when it comes to us having responsibility to work on our own families in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord, the challenge becomes what's going to win, our flesh? Or are we going to grow up and learn in the Spirit and have application so that everybody in our family benefits? And that's what happens when we finally get our families in order. The title today is A Home That Works. I'm going to be talking about order. You know, we talked about homework, but a home that works. Uh, if you do homework, which is important, we all know how important that is, but it's the reason why you're doing homework as far as spirit goes is because you want a home that works, and that's really important. Since we've left Egypt, say, if you haven't left Egypt, then you don't know what I'm talking about. And if you have left Egypt and you're still acting like you're there, then you still took a whole lot of Egypt with you, even though you're born again, okay? But if you've left Egypt, it's so important, that means you're born again. When they went, when they left and they did the exit, the exodus, they left Egypt. They left the world system. They left the world's application. And we all know what happened all throughout the entire history of the Israelite people, the Jews or the Hebrews, whichever one you choose to call them, we all know that they vacillated back and forth in Egypt, out of Egypt, in Egypt, out of Egypt. When they were in Egypt, even though they were in the Exodus, they, they fell off, they fell apart, and God would chastise them. More importantly, he would just give them over to how they were acting. He didn't have to really do anything, but he couldn't be in that. So when he withdrew his presence, they gave the enemy the right to have their, have the, the enemy had his way with them. And that's what happens in our lives. That's what happens in, in, in our families. When we give the enemy the right because we return to Egypt, then there's chaos that happens. And we all know that because we've all experienced it. It doesn't matter how small it is or how big it is. Choose to leave. And it's not that God is up there, I've told you this many times, trying to put a thumb on you, trying to hurt you. Jesus, when he said it's finished, everything that pertains to life and godliness is, a, is at your disposal. But even when God created the universe, God said and God saw. But in between the said and the saw, there's some work that he spoke. Now, he's the only one that can speak those things, and we can speak those things. But in the process of what we saw and, and work, there, I mean, said and saw, then there has to be us applying the work. If we're going to leave Egypt, we've got to quit acting like we're still living in Egypt. We must now implement the ways of Bible culture to make the home work. You're not going to be a Christian and say that you love God and you love everything else and the home is still in chaos because if it's still in chaos, then you're still implementing and practicing Egyptian works. I do not know of anything that works that first doesn't have order. Is that true or not? I, I, it's hard for me to believe in the Big Bang Theory. If you want to, that's okay. I just believe in creation. That's what I believe. I'm a Christian, so I believe in creation. I'm not a Christian, and I believe in, in science. I think science has application, absolutely, because I think God created science. That's ridiculous to say it doesn't have some truth and importance, because it does. But I'm a Christian, and when I open the Bible, I believe the Bible. I believe when it says, God said, God saw, and in between that, there was work that he did to make the manifestation, so we can see and say, that's creation. I don't argue about it with people that are in the world that want to tell me about Darwinism. I don't do that. I don't argue about any of that. Argue all you want to. That means you're still insecure and unsure about what the Bible says and what it really means, and even if it's valid enough to be your truth. Yeah. From creation to all other events, there's an order. Somebody say amen, or I'll keep talking till you do. And you know you'll get hungry. Of course, we know in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a list of events that indicate they happen in order. And that's not an exhaustive list, but I'll tell you, it's, an, it's, a, it's a seasonal thing, it's a death thing, it's a good thing, it's a bad thing. There's just things that are happening, and it's an order that's a rhythmic thing that takes place because you're a believer. 
And it's not just going to happen because you're a Christian. It's going to happen because you learned the game plan, that, that you learned to implement the ways and will of God. Families cannot function properly without order. I said families cannot function properly without order. Now, when I'm talking today, I do not want to take you back into a situation where you feel bad about what happened in your family and you feel condemned today. That's not what I'm doing. I want to reestablish some things in couples that are young enough to reestablish and in couples like me and my wife to keep us going forward so we can stay fixated on the truth of God no matter how old you are because no matter how old you are, you need the order of God in your life. Even if you're single, you need the order of God in your life. Because when you don't, we know what happens. Egypt begins to creep in on any of us. All of us. Families cannot function properly without order. Because two or three of you believe that. A dad, a mom or child that refuses to submit to order has disorder. Isn't that right? It has disorder. There are a few businesses that, are, that have a success rate very high without order. Right, Bruce? If you don't have order, y'all hit order at Bevco. Am I right or wrong? You have to have what? Order. I said you have to have what? Order. If you don't have order, there's chaos. And if there's chaos, then there's usually not a whole lot of productivity because everybody's trying to put out so many fires because these fires shouldn't be going in the first place because order should have took care of those fires. Same way within your house. There shouldn't be this many fires going on in your house if there's order. Order takes place in most everything that's going wrong in your family and in your life. Many people detest order. Do you know that? Why? You know why? It's work. It's work. Order's work. And it's so much easier to just say, this is the way I live and this is how it's going to be. But the problem is, looking at your life, anybody can tell how much disorder you have. Because everywhere you go, you leave chaos as the collateral damage. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Hey, Tom, I called you this week, but you didn't. You got to get your voicemail fixed up, something. Thought that was just a byproduct of that. See, order. He doesn't have his voicemail up. Tom, don't take that personal. He's been coming to my man's small group, so he won't take it too personal. You can turn that air conditioner up a little bit. I'm sure they're cold. I'll let them have the mic for a while, and they'll tell them to turn it down again, won't they? People detest order because it's work, Larry. Am I right or wrong? It's work. Every day of your life. Yes. Bill, you got business? You have order or not? If you don't have order, you won't have productivity. If you don't have productivity, they'll be going across the street to buy their product. You know what I'm talking about. That's for all of us. Plain and simple, it's work. It's work to have your order, to have your family in order, working all the time, correcting, pushing, moving. It's, it's, it's work. And what we do is when our families fall apart, we just get tired of doing it and quit because it's hard. It's because we haven't learned how to operate in the truth of God's Word. Order requires attention. Yes, even to details. My wife is a detailed person. My wife talks in paragraphs and pages, and I just have to I've learned after 46 years of marriage to finally just sit down most of the time. And I have to bite my tongue and not let my eyes go cross-eyed. And let her talk. But she's a detailed person. And without her detailed order, our family would be in chaos. That's why God allowed me to marry her. It's her fault. <laughs> she married me. Now, I have become, through association, a person that that order of her life has boiled over into mine. It's true. It has. It's really awesome. There's hope for some of you men. And so you, men, you women ought to be saying, hallelujah, I hope it's sooner than you. Well, I hope it is too. Even the details, responsibilities must be directed out so each part can contribute to function of the whole. A lot of times we don't divvy out parts so that our kids don't feel like they have any value because we don't trust them doing anything. We don't. So they don't have any value. So they say, what does it matter? If I clean my room up, nobody cares. If I throw my clothes on the floor, nobody cares. 
Well, the problem is, the reason why they're doing most of that most of the time is because they see parents doing the same thing. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. I didn't hear an amen, just a laugh. The challenge with order is once you think you have achieved it, something else presents itself as an issue. I think we got everything in line. Uh-oh, what was that? Dadgummit, we've been working to get this thing. It never is. Why? That's why it's a constant thing of attention and why most people give up on it. It's easier just to be a slob. Come on, somebody. It is. But the problem with a slob is you can't find anything you're looking for, so you have to go buy it again. Come on, somebody. And some of y'all don't like that, and y'all are just going, I wish they'd shut up. (laughs) See, you don't like order. I used to be that slob. Now I walk around, it's it's sickening. I I have done taking on this cleaning perversion. (laughs) It's the truth, you guys. I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you, I got some issues. You know where I used to count my steps when I'd mess something or forget something? I still do that, but I just don't tell anybody anymore. Because I get tired of counting those things. It makes me mad. I mean, I just, golly. But I just can't stand anything on the floor or a dirty dish in the sink. Or, and I'm walking around with a dustpan and a broom all the time in my house. It make you sick. I, it's true. I'm sorry. Forgive me, guys. I mean, I've done turned about half woman on you. I don't know what's going on. Hey, I keep that, I keep that place cleaned up. My wife just looks at me and just shakes her head. I, and I always think, this is what you always wanted, I think. But then when you get it, you find out, ladies, you really don't want it. <laughs> Little sick dude running around. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. But I'll tell you one thing, that floor's got order. <laughs> hey, that kitchen's got order. Are you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You women, you, but there's something about a woman. I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm going to stay here for a second. A woman has a special touch to cleaning. They do. I mean, they can, my wife can go in after I've cleaned the whole kitchen, and I'm serious, it's clean, but just the way she arranges things, boom. I go in there and I go, you know, I tell her, I go, after all I did, you go in there and just five seconds of just moving stuff around, and I go, you make it look, because that's her gift. It is. She has a gift of order. But that doesn't mean I'm not supposed to be helping in that arena. First, first of all, Howard, you know it says in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently. It says all things, Bruce, decently and in order. That means all things in your life. Not that we get to part of things that are difficult and hard to deal with, Robert, but all things be done decently. That means with a plan and, and orderly. If you have the plan, you work it out. Implementation is the most difficult thing for Christians because we love worship. How many of y'all can, don't you love worship? I mean, don't you love it? Don't you love worship? Don't you just, we sing hallelujah, praise to the most high God is what hallelujah means. But when I'm talking about order, y'all didn't clap like that. We love worship. We're talking about order. How come you're not clapping? Nobody's clapping. Why? You teenagers are going, well, I don't know. Paige has got it made. I clean her room. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Tell her she's got to get her dirty clothes off the floor to get somebody to put them, don't I? Go ahead. I'll embarrass you here. I don't care. I'm your ta-ta. I can do <laughs> Grandpas can do what they do, especially when they have the mic. No, I'm not giving it to you either. <laughs> Jan and I have had things out of order many times, but I'd rather work in order. I think it's the best. We've had things out of order many times. When I, and, and when our marriage was young, it was not a marriage because I was so out of order. I was so nuts and crazy until I got born again. And then I went crazy for Jesus and didn't do anything but Jesus. And then I, that's not even orderly. There's a rhythm and, and, and an order to things that you do even in the Lord. Luke 9.14 says, just to give you an idea about some order that Jesus performed, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. There was just 5,000 men. We're not talking about children and women. And Jesus didn't just throw it out. Have you ever seen on TV and they're taking some of that food to some of these uh, impoverished countries and it's just, they just throwing it off the trucks and people are trying to grab it and there's fighting. Jesus wouldn't do that. Why? Because he's a God of order. 
He looks down there and says, okay, we got this many people. We don't look like we have much, but get them in line. You know what he's saying? He is doing by faith and showing his disciples, get people in line because you're fixing to give them what they need. I don't care how much you think you have. It's not you supplying. It's me, so get them in order and in line. Come on, somebody. That's how it works. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. Jesus had order. In all things he did, there was a display of order. It doesn't matter what it was. He had order. Many things may be out of control around him, but he kept focus. Remember the woman that came in and Jesus had just thousands of people all around him. And this woman crawls through the crowd. She touches him. And in the midst of this, he stops and goes, Hey, ho, 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 quiet down. Who touched me? And everybody around him said, What do you mean who touched you? You see how many people are around you? How can we decide who touched you? He had such a, a spirit of something that was after not the multitudes, but it was after something that was after him. And when it touched him, it withdrew the power and anointing of his greatness. And he said, now, wait a minute. See, there was no, he was in order even though everything around him was in chaos. It was like a tornado was going on around him. I want us to be able to act like that. There's a tornado going on around you. I didn't tell you that you shouldn't acknowledge the tornado, but by God, be willing to listen to the voice in this midst of craziness. Why? Because he's speaking to you. Even in that, he's speaking to you. Look at this one. You're going to love this one. Mark 5, 35 through 41. Well, he yet spake, talking Jesus, there came from the ruler of the synagogues, house, synagogues, house certain, which said, the daughter, thy daughter is dead. That's pretty plain. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid. Come on, somebody. What, is, what does fear bring? Disbelief. What is disbelief? Fear. Come on. What are we talking about today? Chaos. Thank you. What does fear do? I don't care what it does. Fear does what? It brings chaos. I don't care what you say. If there's a small amount of fear, you're okay. You kind of think, God, you don't even ask God about it. You just say, I'm tough enough. I can handle it. But when it gets to that place where you know you can't touch it, you just, I mean, fear brings chaos. If, and if you, even if you're sitting there being so cool that you think you're under control, you know what your head's doing. You know when you lay down at night, you can't sleep. You know why? Chaos. Why? Fear. Fear brings disorder. That's what it does to your family, too. Where is that? Afraid and only believe. See, there, he, he gives you the solution. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why are y'all oh so upset about this? Why are y'all making such a do about this when there's not that much to do? <laughs> oh, y'all missed that. You have to understand who's saying this. He's not like one of us. He has no chaos in him. He has no disorder in him. He has no fear in him. He steps into the arena and says, really? Why are y'all acting like monkeys over this? I got this. You don't know who just stepped into the arena. I'm telling some of you in many of your situations, don't you know who is, is waiting to step in, but you won't let him? You're like the other people that have so much chaos going, okay, Jesus, shut up. We, I, we, gotta, we don't know what we're going to do. Shut up. Yeah, I prayed to you already. Now get back. Do we not? And chaos continues. You're making so much ado. I like that word. Something about your hairdo. Ado. And weep. The damsel is not dead, but she sleepeth. Oh, I love this. Listen to this. What did they do? And they laughed him to scorn. Now, you know what? Most people, when you get laughed at about Jesus and what he's going to do, do you know what you do? You get so intimidated. You get so fearful that chaos begins. And instead of, instead of doing what he's fixing to do next, do you know what you do? You leave. Here's what Jesus does to the chaos around him. You have to love it. I want you all to get this. But when he had put them all out, what did he say? He put them all out. He didn't keep the chaos around him because he was fixing to put things in order. 
Before he got there, it was complete disorder. There was screaming and chaos and, and wailing, and, and it was just no hope. It was a pathetic situation, and look what Jesus did. Okay, I don't know why y'all are making this much ado. I have arrived because God sent me for this, just for this, for this situation, for this moment, for this girl, for this family. If he did it for her, can't he do it for us? You know, there's several things in the Bible I don't understand. Several. I was reading Genesis the other day, and I'll tell you some of it right now, but I don't have time. But just several things I don't understand. And by faith, I have to believe that somehow, some way, either he's going to show me or it's not that important that I know. That's, or, or I'm just not that spiritual. Have you ever thought in, in all your arrogance you might not be that spiritual? That hurt, didn't it? That's what I do when I'm reading the Bible, and I think somebody knows all this stuff, and I'm going... Oh, I don't think I know all this stuff. I'm just sitting there going, Lord, I just must be dumb or dirt. I mean, either I'm so dumb or I'm not unspiritual. I know I'm saved. Or do I have so much Egypt in me that I can't get this? Because I ask him for things and I just go, what does that mean? What do you mean the serpent was the, be- was the craftiest beast of the field? What do you mean he was speaking to Eve in the garden? What do you mean he, he didn't have, he, didn't, he wasn't crawling at that time, he was walking. I think about some of those things and the enemy goes, yeah, you know, if you don't believe that, how, how can you believe just like Eve in the garden? You understand? We'll get to that in a minute. And they laughed in the scorn. He put them all out. That's what you do. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, Peter, James, and John, and he entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Hmm. You got to get chaos away from you for order to manifest. I'm I'm trying to help some of you. You got to know enough of what God's telling you that you speak it into the situation, and whatever's dead rises. Are you listening to me? It's something that... God told you to do, but it seems to be dead because everybody around you is laughing about what you're trying to do. You've got to get some of those people away out of your life, especially when they're laughing about your Christianity, when they're laughing about your faith, when, they're, when you're saying for sure that you know God told you this, and they're going, there's a lunatic over here. And you start saying, well, maybe, maybe God didn't tell me that. Maybe, maybe I didn't see that. Maybe the, you know... I think I'm going to walk with them instead of him. That's what we do. And then we know what happens then, right? Chaos and disorder. Aren't you tired of chaos? You know, many people operate in chaos. Jesus did not let disorder disturb his focus. Can you think of a time that everything was going good and and all of a sudden disorder and chaos came in? I mean, like, I don't want it to happen today, but it might happen today for some of you. I don't want it to, but I'd be a a liar to tell you it's not a good possibility. I'd be a liar to tell you that that guy, the the officer that was shot the other evening, that that morning he thought that was going to happen because he didn't. That's chaos. That's disorder. Can you see we all, and I'm not saying there was any way to prevent it. I don't know anything about the story. I'm just telling you we prayed for him, and that's great. But I don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. I think, you, one, you have to prepare for chaos and disorder by reading your Bible. Yes, let's just do it simple. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray. Associate with Christians. I didn't say you don't have non-Christian friends. You do, but you're trying to lead them to Jesus. Why? Because there's an eternity waiting, whether you like it or not. And whether the enemy tells you it's not that important, that's another lie. So chaos is going to exist maybe not in their life, but I mean, maybe not in your life, but theirs. So just certain things you have to do. When necessary, he removed the chaos. In your own life, this may be something many must do. Remove the disorder. When you do, you remove the chaos. See, but some of us are so addicted to chaos that we're more loving the insanity than we are the order that would take its place. That's not me. I'm telling you. 
I don't know about y'all, but every time this church gets settled and, uh, you know, there's, there's not uh, somebody leaving and talking about me in a crazy way, which has happened many times, and I always say, okay, well, what did I do wrong? Well, we're not telling you. I say, well, how can I fix what I did wrong if you don't tell me? We're not telling you. You didn't do anything wrong. So why are you leaving? We don't know. We're just leaving. Well, why can't you talk to me? We just don't want to talk about it. Okay, so what did I do? Not wear deodorant? I know I put it on this morning. Is it that simple? See, that's what happens. And that's chaos to me. And I have to, and I, for about three days, I'll battle this chaos. Y'all don't see me battling it, but I'm battling it step by step. And finally, God just like, like straightening out a blanket on a bed, does that and goes, now, see there, it's straight. Is there any more you can do about the situation? I go, no, Lord. And he said, well, let me have it. And that's when, see, I created my own chaos. When you do all you can do, would y'all give it to the Lord? Just give it to the Lord. Chaos, please. In the scriptures, there's an order for the family. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we're all the same in Christ Jesus. I'm not telling you there's not an order, but I want you to know that we're all equal in the lives of the Lord, that the value of your salvation and your importance and gift that God's given you is valuable in building the kingdom of God and, of course, building your family, which is one and the same. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life was hidden with Christ in God. This is how you're going to develop order. This is how you're going to remove chaos. You see the house we have in the middle. These are houses just found in the world and they need work. Come on, somebody. They need some work. They may look good. Come on. How many houses in the great? Listen, I live in an old camp house trailer, I know, with three add-ons. One, two, yeah, three add-ons. Now get this, these houses all look fine, don't they? But does that mean they're Christian? No, they need work. They need work, but the one in the middle is the one that needs the most work. Why? Because once you let God establish his presence, it's work to, it's work to let him have his presence. It's easy to stand up here and say, today we're going to get this done. I'm giving it all to you till you hit the front door. And one of your kids, oh, I'm preaching too soon. Okay, here we go. We must understand to grasp the way of God. We must gravitate to his will. If we're going to grasp the way of God, the culture of God, we're going to have to gravitate to his will more than we are Egypt. Colossians 3, 15 through 21. For you died in your life. You're tricking me. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of God... Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms. Can you imagine? Look at me just a second. Here you are teaching your children how to clean their rooms. Oh, how I love you today. Clean your room. We love you and we're praying for you. Can you imagine? your? And I can hear your kid going, Oh, glory to God, I'm going to clean my room. Marcus, I'm not crazy. Marcus, look at me like, sing all you want, I'm not cleaning my room. Come on, somebody. Says right here, sing song. Robert, when you get up in the morning, you go, good morning, Julia. She goes, hello, Robert. Robert said, I love you, Julia. <laughs> I don't want to go any further. Hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. See, this is why you're doing this. This is why you're acting like this. This thing is something done deep inside of you so that there's no chaos, but there's the order and the presence of God that you're, you have the capability to speak because you gravitate to his will. That's what you do. And whatever you do, say that. And whatever you do. Oh, that's weak. And whatever you do. Oh, that's weak. Say it again. And whatever you do. That means whatever you do, Casey. Yeah, whatever you do, whatever you do. What is that? It's whatever you do, D-boy. 
Whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. That creates order. This order thing is not that difficult. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. See, most people leave that last part out. And the world has taken this order of men and women and applied the theory of Egypt and we have destroyed even the order of the family in the church. That's how Egypt has overtaken. Most women are saying, what are you talking about? You ain't telling me what to do. That's not what this is talking about. I'll keep explaining. It's not what this is talking about. Children, obey your parents in everything. For it pleases the Lord. Now, you're a Christian. If it pleases the Lord, how in the world would you not obey? Because if you obey your parents, that's just like obeying the Lord. Now, you have to understand, we're not talking about ungodly parents. We're talking about godly parents. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. There's many ways you can embitter your children. But Ephesians 6, 4, it says this, do not provoke your children to wrath. And it's talking about not raising them in the faith. That's how you provoke them. Colossians, 1 Corinthians eleven three. 3. Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is, and the head of Christ is. Now here's the deal about order. When you start talking about this, we all get a bad taste in our mouth because we've seen so many men not walking after God. And we see a lot of women say, well, if my husband says it, I have to do it. That's not what this scripture says. It's not what it says at all. First of all, it says, follow your husband as unto the Lord. So he must be a godly man if you're going to follow him. That's like saying when your husband is ungodly and he tells you you can't go to church, you need to tell him, well, you know, I'm going to obey, I'm going to obey God rather than I am man. And I am going to go to church because that's a mandate from God that I'm supposed to do. You're not going to be ugly about it. You're not going to be hateful. You're not going to not cook lunch for him when you get home because you are. The way you win a lost husband is you act like a saved woman. It's just the truth. How do you win a lost wife? You act like a saved man. You act like it. That's all you have to do. Act like it. Again, we're talking about order. Without order, often and always, the family's in chaos. Boy, wouldn't you like to just have a, you know that reality TV stuff that they do and they put a, they, they put a camera in people's house? And at first it's all honeymoon. But after about a week of everybody knowing there's a camera, they forget that camera there. And they start cussing each other and flipping people off. And it's just like the whole thing is on. Who cares? I don't care. I wonder if that would happen in one of our houses. Would it? Is that what it would do? I mean, there'd be screaming and hollering and gnashing of teeth. Somebody would think the end is coming. Huh? There'd be chaos and disorder. Would it? Is, is that how it's supposed to be? Is that what it would be? Some of y'all are smiling like, I'm glad they ain't doing that reality show in my house. Huh? Romans 8, 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. It can't do it. So it, if you have a sinful mind, you can be a Christian, but if your mind is sinful, it cannot submit to the will of God. If we operate as Christians with a sinful mind, we misuse and abuse the Scripture for selfish reasons. That's why when you hear a man that's not godly look at his wife and go, you better submit to me. You ought to poke him in the eye. Don't do that. <laughs> that wouldn't be acting like a Christian. But that's how men take these things and they don't know what they're talking about and they haven't studied. They don't know that we're all equal in the eyes of God, but there is an order because without order of the Word of God, there's disorder. And whether you don't like the Word of God really doesn't matter. And if you want to implement Egypt into the world and bring it into the church, then you'll have chaos in your family. If we operate as Christians with a sinful mind, we misuse and abuse the Scripture for selfish reasons. This is where Satan gains an advantage. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should gain an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. When you start picking and choosing the Scripture that you want to use in your life and in your family's life, then the enemy gains an advantage. You leave a crack, an opening, a hole, and the next thing you know, what you said your child would never do is doing. Because why? It's much easier to submit to an unruly child than it is to fight that thing the whole time. 
order in the family has been in, been in a disabled condition since the beginning. You remember? Eve was allowed by Adam to lead us into a fallen nature. Yes, it was Adam's fault. His leadership was faulty. I want some men to step up in here. I was talking to a person the other day, and he was saying, you know, we don't let women speak in our church. And I said, well, why don't you tell them they can't teach either? Because if they all leave, you don't have a what? He said, I don't have a church. You don't let women speak in your church. All right, all you women that don't speak, y'all be getting up and getting out here, and I can't blame you. But the problem is, we wouldn't have a church without the strong women that are in this church. Amen. Is that right or wrong? That's God, that's right. They teach, they preach, they speak, they do it. I mean, come on. They run lots of things. You say, well, why is it like that? Because most men think that what these women are doing is not important. They're not the leadership. They're not in leadership of their family. They have a wife-led family. Ooh, not an amen one. Y'all getting mad at me now, aren't you? That's all right. We say at our house, get your panties out of a wad. If you're wearing them. Some of you may be. Genesis 3.16. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pain in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. I'm going to explain that right quick. Your desire will be for your husband doesn't mean he's, she's going to be hot after you in bed. If that's the way you read that, you're wrong. It means this, that if you won't lead, she's looking for you to falter. She will. Don't shout me down. I want you to hear me. It means if you won't lead, if you won't step up to the plate, if you won't be a man led of the Lord, I'll tell you if she's a believer, she's looking to step up in your place, and she'll take it any time. Why? It's Scripture. That's what it says. And then it says, He will rule over you. You know what that rule means? I told some men this the other day, and I've shared it in the church long ago, but the word rule there is marshal, M-A- S-H-A-L. To rule over, they, that word means that like a, and we put an R in it, and we called it marshal. It means that he's a marshal in his house. Before he goes to bed, he checks the doors. He checks the lights. He checks the uh, thermostats. He goes in there and looks at the kids and makes sure they're, they're all okay. Everybody good? Everybody good? Okay, that's his job. He's the marshal. Remember Gunsmoke? What's his name? Matt Dillon was a bad man. He was huge, too. I would have never messed with him at all. But he'd go through all those doors, check all the doors. Him and Festus, he's an idiot, but he's a, he checked doors. Y'all remember all that? Check him doors. He was the marshal. Look at me. Every man in here is supposed to be a marshal. That kind of marshal. The spiritual marshal that makes sure all the spiritual doors in your house are, are secure and locked and your kids can't be robbed. Their minds can't be dissuaded from the enemy. And your wife is home because she's married to a godly man and you're worth following. His leadership was faulty. It's the truth. That dude, he's pretty weak. You know the story, right? She ate of the tree. Then when she got caught, what happened? She said what? Who made her do it? That's what disorder brings about. Everybody blames everybody. It's your house. It's never your fault when there's chaos and disorder. You're blaming everybody else. Show me somebody's life that's in chaos, and they're blaming somebody else. They never take responsibility. Never! It's always somebody else's fault. That's why I'm like this. You don't understand. My parents did it. My grandparents did it to me. The, the job did it to me. My friends did it to me. No, you did it to you. Amen. Just like Eve did. She didn't have a strong leader. Why didn't, why didn't Adam grab her by the nap of the neck and say, Honey, you come in with me and you leave that tree alone. I'm telling you, I blame the man completely. I don't blame the woman one bit in this. The other thing the man didn't do, and this is just free. I'm going to have it down here right now. I have to hurry because y'all are getting hungry. 
for free. I forgot what I was going to say was free. When it's free, you don't pay for it, so you don't even care. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he didn't even listen to this. Have you ever thought, and I've said this before in here, but just it's apropos for today. Have you ever thought, why didn't he repent immediately, if nothing else? Why didn't they just give it a shot? See what would have happened. Why didn't they just say, oh, God, we messed up? Are you kidding me? They did like all of us do. They started blaming each other and hiding in the garden. That's what we do. Maybe nobody can't see me. The problem is God knows you're getting up and you're laying down. So who are you hiding from? Isn't that funny when we're doing something so sinful that we think we're hiding? Huh? It's chaos. When you think, come on, stay with me. I, I got to say this. This is good. When you're in chaos, it's insane. You think you're hiding from God. Is that the stupidest thing you ever did in your life? You're sitting over here doing this dastardly thing, thinking nobody's watching, and God's going, I sure love her. I sure love him. Should I just, what are y'all doing down there? Don't you think that'd be cool? Don't you think in the midst of one of your ridiculous arguments at home, God says, I've had it! God, <laughs> I ain't never, I'll never, I'll never yell again. What? What do you got? <laughs> I'll never talk to my wife like that again. I, I, what? 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 You know how you, what? What? Shut up and let him talk. That's what. Isn't it the truth? That's what some of us need in here for God to just impart something to you right in the middle of your chaos and your blame and your shame and defending your stupidity, which the enemy has bit you, injected his poison. Faulty leadership introduces chaos. It says, the woman's desire will be for her husband. This does not mean she'll be ever so submitful. It, it, it means if he doesn't lead, she will be ready to take his position. Hmm. In Colossians 3.19, it says this. I don't know if I have that up there. The husband's be not harsh with them means be strong in the ways of the Lord. Be strong in the ways of the Lord. Be strong when your wife wants to very, you know, kind of wants to get out of line a little bit. I mean, in the ways of the Lord. It's not go, I don't act like you do. Come on, man. It's like, come on, honey, we don't do that. Let's go. Let's go. We're not, we're not going to compromise right now. We're, we're not, it's not good for our family. It's not good for us. Come on, let's go. And you say it in such a way as it's leadership, not domination. Are you listening? Yeah, there's a difference. I want you to get that, Don. I know how you treat her. <laughs> I've seen it in Maricel's face. You understand what I just said? It's different. You know this, Howard. To lead or to dominate is different. When you're leading, it's because you got the way to go and you're doing it in love like Jesus did. But when you dominate, it's, I told you what we're doing. And you better do what I tell you. That's not what Jesus tells us. That's not how he talks to you. He's given you every opportunity to submit because he's the great leader that says, come on, I got the best for you. I'll let you reject it, but I got the best for you. And if you'll follow me, I'll promise you, and do the way that I do, you'll see, see things happen as I did. Because he was our example, we can do the same thing. Even greater works can we do. To have great leadership in the home that works, who must learn to do what? Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Esteem others better than ourselves. It took me a long time to get to all this stuff, folks, in marriage, but I'm telling you, I got a heck of a wife. I do. I do. I got a heck of a wife. And let me tell you something. The longer we've been in marriage, we've almost changed roles. She's become more like me at times, and I've become more like her. And she just do that. You just, I mean, I really do. At times where I used to, when she would do something silly and ridiculous, I'd bite back and bark and say, that ain't what, now I just, and, I, and you know what I'm thinking when this is going on? And I'm a leader. Y'all know that. I'm a leader in my home. But here's what I do. I know. I go, well, you know, I listened. She's probably right. Whereas before, I wouldn't listen. And now I go, she's right. 
It's so much fun to not be right all the time. That's hard for some of you men, isn't it? Hard for some of you women. It's so much fun not to be right all the time. And I just listen to my wife. And I, I know this is hard for y'all. That's a hard word, isn't it? Listen to it. Look at me. That's a hard word, isn't it? It's hard for me to say it. But it really is kind of cool. I don't have to be right all the time. Why? Because my wife is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can say this because she's not in here to defend herself. But the truth is, she is right more than 50% of the time. No, it's true. Reads her Bible, prays. I mean, she's right there with it. There's not one of us doing it more than the other. We're doing this thing, man. We're reading our Bible. We're praying for this church. We're hustling after things that God tells us to do, whether it's popular, famous, or not. You know, they say the greatest compliment you can have is when somebody copies what you do. Many people in this town copy what we do. Isn't it a grand thing? We got churches that copy what we do. That's awesome. That's the greatest compliment. Never get mad at that. Always say, glory, hallelujah. We're doing something right when somebody copies what you're doing. It's a good thing. Well, I got some things for you husbands. You ready? Number one, husbands' love must be realistic. Right? Love must not be based in the, walls of, in the halls of Hollywood. Come on, somebody. Husbands' love must be realistic. Thought we might have that up there. Maybe not. Real love is forgiving and able to work within the faults all of us have. Real love. I'm not talking about this, honey, it's my night, so I know I'm going to act right. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I mean, I'm going to be a godly husband every day. Every day. Marriage counseling reveals false fantasy of a fictitious love most of the time. Fairy tale fantasies usually end up in divorce court. <laughs> Leading with realistic love creates an environment for growth and endurance. Realistic love. Love, listen. Have y'all ever figured this out, guys? That when you fell in love with your wife, that she does all the bodily functions you do? Isn't it the truth? Yeah. Don ain't saying nothing now. Don's smart. He's just sitting there going, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but see, men, when we get married, we think what we married don't act. They, I, know, mm, I know they don't do everything I do. Yes, they do. <laughs> they throw up like you do. Isn't it weird? In the morning when they wake up, don't kiss them in the mouth. Come on, I'm just trying to tell you, realistic love gets past all that stuff. I'm not just being funny, I'm trying to tell you, real love endures the test. Number two, husbands, love must be sacrificial. Huh? This is the challenge for all husbands. A sacrificial love can only manifest in the grace of God. Isn't that right? I cannot sacrificially love my wife without doing it in God's grace. It's God's grace is the power of God working in you and through you, and I can't do anything without His grace, especially love one, loves, love one that acts like I do part of the time. She's human. I know when I first saw her when I was 12 years old, there was no way she was human. There was no way she was a God from heaven, and I knew it, little G. Then I married her. Listen to this. I got, I'm almost through, but I got to tell you this. If your wife is insecure, you ready? Are y'all getting something today? Yeah. No, no, you don't need to clap. I'm just asking to make sure we're going somewhere. If your wife is insecure, look at me. Guys, wives, you don't even have to look. Look at me. Make sure you're not the reason. You make sure you're not the dadgum reason your wife's insecure. You make sure that she feels safe and protected. By God, if somebody come to the door, don't you push her there first. The other day, somebody came to my door. My wife said, somebody knocked the door. It was late at night. I went out there with a gun behind my back. I thought, I don't know who this guy is. 1030 night, come to my house. What are you doing up here in my house like that? You know, read all kind of things. Don't come out there and arrest me. I didn't do anything wrong. Right? <laughs> I said, can I help you? 
da 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 I said, okay. No, that's not, we don't live, whatever. And I, I mean, we live out in the country. If you're coming to my place, you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Or you're a devil. I don't know. <laughs> Is your wife jealous? Make sure you're not the reason. Are you listening to me, guys? Quit glancing over at other women that you have nothing to do with. I can tell you this, you can ask my wife, by God, I am not, she's not jealous of me and I'm not jealous of her. I'm in love with her. Amen. I mean that. And if your wife's jealous, it's your fault. You've made her feel jealous most of the time. I know there's some other reasons, but by God, she shouldn't feel jealous. She ought to feel secure. She ought to feel, that's my man. Well, what if he's out of town? That's my man. Well, what if he's with somebody? It's my man. He, when you think he would, I said, as my man, I know he won't do nothing. I am not jealous, and I'm very secure. That's the way it ought to be. You're not like that, guys. Most of the time, it's your fault. Never reveal her weakness in a crowd. Even just kidding around, guys. I'm trying to help you learn how to be a husband. Don't make fun of your wife when she has a weakness. Y'all can do it behind closed doors and laugh and do all that, but bless God, when y'all are in a crowd, don't expose something that she's weak at unless she's okay with it. And if she's not okay with it, keep your mouth shut. Cover her. And you'll know that right, Don. Cover your wife. Cover your spouse. Come on, man, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to show you how to have a good marriage. There's nothing wrong with good Christian counseling, not a Christian counselor, but good Christian counseling. Do Bible studies like Right Now Media to help mature your marriage? Many areas of a man's life must change after he's married. His leadership must change from me. Get ready. It's a good one. His leadership must change from me to we. Mine didn't change till I was 28. I got saved. And I quit saying, ah, 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 ah. I didn't even know who I, I the People used to ask me, are you married? I go, no, she is. I'm not making fun. I'm telling you, that's my attitude before I got saved. She, are you married? I go, no. I mean, she'd be right beside me. You know how much that hurt her? Stupid idiot I was, talking like that to my wife, making fun of her. It's, it's mocking your wife. You married? I, no, she is. And that's the way I'd say it, just like that. Arrogant, craphead. Makes me mad I ever acted like that to my wife. That's so disabling to a marriage. Wonder, she should have never stayed with this fool until I was 28. Number three, husbands, love must be purposeful. You must love your wife on purpose. Don't get up and do something off the cuff. Why don't you get up and do something sweet on purpose? It may not be every day, but bless God, every now and then, do something on purpose. And if she doesn't say thank you, oh, well. You didn't do it for her only. You do all things for the glory of God, and you get your reward in your relationship with her because it enhances your relationship with him. Your love must be purposeful. To become one is the purpose, isn't it? It is the will of God, so it must be for the man. To become one... Therefore, it's to learn how to communicate. Ooh, I said the cuss word. You want to know a cuss word in a, in, in a marriage? It's communicate. Come on. I see some people looking at each other going, yeah, we solved that. We don't. <laughs> huh? I'm preaching today. Y'all know it. I'm not through yet. So it's 1141. So set your clock and get over it. We're all, hey, I got an extra hour anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I forgot that, I got an extra hour, y'all lock in, lock down, <laughs> we going for this, they going to kill me in these classes over here, do you know that, <laughs> kill that pastor, all right, here we go, be powerful, swill of God, let's go, okay, well, where was I at here, was it purposeful? It's the will of God, so it must be for man to become one. Learn how to communicate. Oh, God. Learn how to accommodate. Yeah. 
you make an environment where your wife and your husband, both of you, make it as a place they want to come home to. You accommodate each other, even though you may not think you're getting the best of both worlds. If you'll do it long enough, you'll get the best of both worlds. I tried some of this stuff, and it's working. I tried to help some of you men. Y'all struggling way too much. I did too for a long time, but now I'm working the plan, and the plan's working. Accommodate. Consolidate. Consolidate. When I counsel anybody of marriage, if you don't consolidate things, the first thing I talk about is your money. If you don't consolidate your money, you're not married. I believe that in my whole heart, and that's where most marriages have trouble. They don't even trust each other enough with their finances. God Almighty. What, what are you, even, you surely don't trust God. But it's not just that. It's cons- consolidate the gifts and the and the, the character and the personalities God's given y'all. Don't try to make your whole life change in her. And don't make your whole life change in him. Learn how to work within and weave that thing together. So bless God, if your kids are talking to you, they're talking to him. If they're talking to him, they're talking to you. That's the way marriage is supposed to be. They can't go, go ask you, Daddy. Why? Because they don't get the same thing from Daddy they got from Mama. Because if you don't, it's divisive. Two visions called division. Learn how to communicate, accommodate, consolidate, and accumulate. Accumulate things in your life that are good so they build that strong foundation of your faith. Accumulate them. Don't say, yeah, that was good. Just kick it out like you do yesterday's garbage. Accumulate those good things in your life. Build a good foundation so that when your kids grow up, they go, my daddy and mom were awesome. They taught us how to do things. And why they, they'll, they'll have memories of what went on and what went down and how good it was and how much fun it was and how you handled arguments was not cussing each other out. Amen. I feel sorry for some of you that have been in marriages like that. I know, I was in one until I was 28. She didn't do any cussing, I did. Just a foul-mouthed fool. <laughs> See, I can preach like this because that's what I once was. I hate it. I hate it with a passion that I was like that. Thank God he forgives. And husband's love must be personal. Each day a man takes care of many things. His personal needs. Don't you be looking good this morning? Didn't you shave? Hopefully you bathe. Put on some fair clothes. huh? You take care of the car, hopefully. I try to wash my car most a lot, so my wife gets in it and it's clean. I want her to feel good that somebody respects her. I'm serious. Why I wash the car? I wash it sometimes as many as three and four times a week. You say, you are out of your mind. I know, but it's working. <laughs> Trying to learn you guys something here, but y'all are slow. It's all right. You can be slow. His personal needs, a car, job, take care of all that. But unless he even takes greater care of his marriage, it will not be successful. Take care of your marriage. I didn't say overtake care because there has to be a give and take in this thing. Are you listening to me? There's a give and take in this thing. Man, marriage, as we all know, is a challenge. But without you implying and and putting to application the word of God in your marriage, you don't have anything more than you did because you never left Egypt. And if you're going to leave Egypt, you have to walk in the Bible. Walk into that Bible. Find out how you're supposed to treat your spouse. Find out how you're supposed to treat your kids. Yes, the husband must think of his marriage as only second to his relationship with Jesus. He builds his marriage on biblical principles. He facilitates with love, ministering with concern. I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to read that last scripture, I don't think. I just want to show you something up here. So we have God the Father. This is the house. We have Jesus on the right hand of God. Right? That's where he is. So who do we have next to Jesus? We got dad. Why do we have dad? Because he's in authority in a spiritual leadership role as he leads his family. So he's next to Jesus. Then you have the children on the bottom. Why? Because you're their covering, mom and dad. You're their covering. You get it? 
And then we have the, the mom on the right side, not because she's not equal to, but she's submissive through the power of the Word of God so she can be covered as well. Now, I want to show you something. We got the Holy Ghost over here. So this is a covering to the house. So let's say, uh, I, don't, I, I can't walk up there because this thing won't be. So we have, if we hide dad, play like dad's not there. We have mom and children. Are they in trouble? Uh-uh. Look at the covering. Are they in cr- trouble? No. The covering is still God, as long as they're in church and they're Christian, okay? You still got God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Ghost, so the mom and children are not in trouble. That's a crazy world talk to say, they're in trouble now. No, they're not. They're in the faith. Amen. You got to get this. See, I want you to put this in your head. I want you to get this because this is biblically what it looks like. Okay, let's say uh, the mom's gone. All you have is the dad and the children. Are they in trouble? No, they're not. They're still under the covering. Don't you love it? They're still under the covering. I'm not, listen, for all of you that's ever been divorced, it's not God's plan. Have you ever wondered why God, uh, the, the greatest, one of the greatest reasons I figured out just recently, Howard, why you're not supposed to have but one wife? And if you got a divorce, don't take this like this, because God forgives every sin. I understand that. But if you have got one, let's don't get another. How many ribs did he take out of man? How many ribs man got? Well, if he's going to have many women, he took out a whole bunch of ribs. No, I'm not being funny. God showed me this the other day. He took out one rib, made a woman, said, that's yours. He's yours. That's it. No more. If he wanted many women, he got many ribs to choose from. He chose one. He's supposed to have one wife. Now, you may have already known that, but I didn't. I just figured it out. Yesterday, I was reading the Genesis, and I was reading, I just kept studying and reading that, going, what? He goes, look at that, just one rib. He said, I could have chosen many ribs. Y'all could have many women as you want. I said, bless God, I can't handle one. <laughs> That's not true. So, children. Take the children out. Doesn't matter. You got dad, mom, you're okay. Take the dad and mom out. Are the children okay? Children okay. See, sometimes we look at a single mom and go, poor thing. She has children. She doesn't. No, no. She's got God the Father. She's got Jesus. And she got the Holy Ghost just like everybody else in the house. So quit feeling sorry for her. She can be as strong as she'll allow the covering to be. And as long as your kids are little, you better stay in the faith. Because it's much better when they see your example because many of them are not old enough to, to listen and learn from the Holy Ghost unless you're teaching them. Are you getting this? That's a good covering. I want to put that on my house. I want my house to be like that. Huh? Come on, dads. I'm talking to you today. This is what this is all about, husband leadership. Your wife is supposed to submit to you. Why? Because you follow the Lord and she wants to. She wants to submit to you. Why? Because you treat her right. You love her. You take care of your responsibilities. First of all, you're a godly man and you love Jesus. Your kids, they love you not only because you love them, but because you're leading them as well. You're their covering when all else fails. I'm telling you what, they know dad is the Superman next to Jesus. When my kids were little before they had any sense, they used to think I really was Superman. They did. Well. I got to cut some stuff out of him. <laughs> it's not in the covering. <laughs> I want you to know something that don't take, allow the world to take the Bible and use it as an abuse toward women because it's not. I'm telling you what, if you're married, you ought to treat your wife as Christ loved the church and he did it by dying for it. Well, you die not for your wife, but you die to the will of God and your wife benefits. Jesus died to the will of the Father and who benefited? Now get this. I'm almost done. Listen to this. The man went into a deep sleep. You remember? 
He's really died. That's what a lot of people preach when they preach that. Said he really died. God took him out. So if you're going to have a good wife, you're going to have to die to have a good wife. Come on, somebody. He took that rib out of there, put him to sleep, put him deep. It says a deep, deep, deep sleep. He's dead. Did surgery on him. Had the greatest anesthesia in the world, didn't he? Man, didn't even say he hurt, had pain or nothing. Isn't that cool? Why? Because God did it. See, you understand? When God does your marriage, there's not a big pain in marriage. Why? Because he puts something to sleep that needs to be asleep, pulls it out, creates, and good God, he, he, he named all those animals. He came out of that deep sleep, and he said, whoa, man, woman. <laughs> he did. I'm telling you, he looked at her and said, shaboom. <laughs> Dang. I knew, I knew them other things ain't no good, but shabam, hey, yo, baby. All right. I better leave that. But he put him to sleep. Listen, Jesus fell asleep. Come on. Jesus fell asleep in the grave, and when he raised from the grave, he, he made a situation where he could create a bride and marry a bride. Same analogy. One went to sleep, created a bride, didn't he? He created a bride for the man. Jesus went to sleep, and because he rose from the dead and defeated the enemy, now all those that are born again are created to be his bride. Isn't that crazy how it works? That's just how that stuff works, man. That's how God works. He's putting it all. There's not a place in there where something's out of kilter. It's all in line. I want you to pray for your family like that. Look at it. Get it in your head. Both of these, all of them need work. That's why there's those things in the middle. Those out there need to be saved. This in here needs the work of the Father. And we have to continually be removing Egypt out of the situation. And it's okay to, listen, I hate it when there's chaos at home. I hate it when we're fighting with our kids and we're doing all that crazy stuff. But I'm telling you, I was called to do this and I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm not going to submit to the world. I'm not going to say, well, everybody else is doing it, little kid, so you can go do it too. And then when all hell breaks loose, you look like you didn't, you weren't responsible. Yes, you were. You were responsible just like me. We have to learn to take responsibility even if the world laughs at us and says, y'all are just too over the top with that Christianity. Well, then y'all call me too over the top. You're not hurting my feelings. I mean it. Did y'all get something today? Yes. Give the Lord a hand clap. Y'all stand. Okay. She's going to pray. Uh, I want to thank you for coming today. I hope something I said the Lord uh, blessed you with. And you're okay. You said the uh, Lord blessed you with. And uh, let's start working on how the home works. Yeah. I love, I mean, man, don't we have some things to work on now? Yes. Aren't you loving it? Yes. Really, I, I didn't want to make you mad today. I wanted to encourage you how to make your homework. It's so much better when things are in order. I have an hour, you know, left. Go ahead. I can't. Go ahead. <laughs> Y'all pray with her. Well, Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your order, Father. I thank you that what we've heard today, that we're going to implement it in our lives and in our homes, Father God. Go with each one of us. Bring us back tomorrow night for that special service. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you.